Listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words, and Lord, I recognize that as we come here this morning, uh, we do come from all kinds of different places. For some of us, this is a day of great joy, uh, a day of uh, anticipation, of expectation. Uh, for others of us, this is a day of great sadness. Um, Lord, for some of us, this is a day of grief. Lord, I recognize further that some of us um, are here and things are, are going really well in our lives. Others of us are here and things feel like a complete mess. And Lord, I recognize further that some of us are here believing and trusting and hoping in you, and others of us are here, and it feels like our, our faith, if it exists at all, is, is barely hanging on as by a thread. And so, Lord, I pray that you would unite us this morning, that you would unify us, every single one, as one people. I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all ultimately come the same, with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you and to be changed by you. I pray that you would show us how you have addressed this need in the deepest way in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. Um, I have the great honor of uh, letting you know that we have officially concluded our sermon series on the Song of Songs. So, uh, over the protest of our what we're currently calling our underground pastor, who is uh, waiting to be installed, Sam Andreatis, uh, we have, uh, I, I had to call it, I had to say enough is enough. We ha- it has to end at some point. And so we have uh, ended that series, and um, he's doing one more that will be available on the dark web <laughs> for a small amount of cryptocurrency. No, he's, he's probably going to do enough. He's probably going to do another one <laughs> over my own objections. Um, so we have mostly concluded that series, um, but uh, there's always more that Sam wants to share. So we will have one more. And next week, we're starting a series that I'm really looking forward to, uh, really feel very passionate about um, in the life of our church. And this goes back to 
actually the vision that I attempted to cast at the beginning of our ministry year in September. If anyone remembers back to that sort of season, we said a lot that what we want to do in this, you know, this year, for us a year is September to September roughly, is that we want to seek to build friendship that leads to discipleship. If any of you remember, can remember back then, that's what we said. We said we want to see friendships develop that, can, that will lead to discipleship. And next week, we're going to begin uh, this next series uh, that we're doing called Friend of Sinners. And it's really got two uh, angles to it. The first angle is how does Christ befriend you while you are sinning or while you are a sinner or in the state of your own brokenness? How does Christ befriend you? That is the heart and the essence of the gospel that we preach. The second part of that, which we'll probably focus on the most, is how does Christ's befriending of you enable you to actually and genuinely live in friendship with others who sin? And friends, I don't want to, you know, talk about this too much today because it's really for next week, but this is a question that I, I can't overstate its importance of in our present day. Uh, I was reading earlier um, in, in the uh, AARP journal, which I now officially do, given my, my birthday. Um, I am retired at heart, okay? I am ready for grandkids. I am ready for Mexico. I'm ready for all the things retired persons do. So I read the AARP journal. And uh, what it had to say is that uh, in the midst of our coronavirus, that there is an epidemic of loneliness, right? That, that uh, people were already lonely before coronavirus in our, in our culture, in our country, but the pandemic has brought loneliness to a, to a level of being an actual epidemic with uh, grave physical health consequences. And that really resonates with me. I wonder if it resonates with you. Um, I, I, I've watched friendships uh, struggle over the last several years, not just this last year, but over the last several years. And what I've noticed is that uh, friendships often are not able to sustain significant levels of sin, right? So in other words, you might have a friendship that you feel you really derive a lot of fulfillment from, but the question is, can that friendship sustain actual, real, hurtful sin, or will it simply sever upon recognizing that? And, you know, the Scripture gives us these resources. Um, it gives us these resources to have friendships that can sustain real, actual sins. And so that's what the series is about. This sermon today is a bridge from the Song of Songs, which looked at one kind of relationship to friend of sinners that's going to look at a different kind of relationship. This one's a bit of a bridge, a bit of an introduction, so I offer it to you in hopes that it will bless you. So, what are we doing? Well, we're going to focus on verses 13, 14, and 15 primarily. I gave you some more of the context, but I wanted to just focus in on uh, these first three verses in this letter of Ephesians. What Paul is doing is he's observing the reality of the people to whom he's writing when he says these words that we actually don't talk about a lot, uh, and I think that's actually to our detriment. Uh, look in verse 13. He says this. He says, "...in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, friends, what I want to just really point up for you this morning is that what Paul is saying is, if you are a Christian, right, if you are one who belongs to God, one who will spend eternity in the presence of the Lord, one to whom the Lord has covenanted Himself to say that He will care for you, He will walk with you, He will be with you, one to whom you can bring your needs to Him in prayer and you have confidence that He will always hear you, one who is always working for your good, one who is devoted to your blessing, right? If, if those realities are going to actually be true about you, right? And I don't assume that for all of you, just to be clear, right? I don't know all of you, right? I don't, and so I don't assume this is true for all of you, but if it's true, the way that you will know says Paul, says the, the inspired apostle, is that you will have the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And he calls it a guarantee, right? It's like your COVID vaccine card if you want to, you know, pass the passport. Did I just start some controversy? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. We're, sorry about that, right? Um, but, you know, we, we require guarantees in life and in culture, we require passports or licenses or documents to prove who we are, right? Certificates of authenticity, right? Or, you know, maybe a less controversial, if you really have the Bitcoin, the, Bit, the Bitcoin, you will have the wallet. Don't want to lose that, right? So we require these documents of authenticity. And what Paul is saying here is that if you are authentically a Christian, if you actually know God, if you're actually one of His chosen people, the way that you will know that is the presence of His Holy Spirit in your life in tangible ways. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying, in Him you believed, and when you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who guarantees our inheritance. And friends, I just want to say, you know, kind of a couple obvious things, right? If, if there is no presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, right, if, if, if He's not active in your life, that ought to cause you to doubt whether you're actually a Christian or not. That that's, seems to me to be exactly what He's saying, right? He's saying the presence of the Holy Spirit is the evidence that you have believed the gospel, that you belong to God. And it follows, therefore, that the absence of the Holy Spirit is probably evidence to the contrary, right? So, I want to set this up in such a way as to say, say to you that there really is no more important question this morning, and there's no more important question in your life or mine, right? As we parent our children, there's no more important question as we think about our kids then the question of, do they have the Holy Spirit? Is He, is he present? Is He at work? Can, can we tell that He's there, right? That is the question that is being raised, and it's the one that Paul, of course, goes to this morning. So, what's interesting about our particular passage, uh, as, as we survey the entirety of the New Testament, is that Paul zeroes in on uh, one or two, excuse me, two realities that are 
kind of telltale signs of the Holy Spirit. And these are different from other parts of the New Testament, right? So, for example, if you are familiar with Paul's teaching on the Spirit, you might be familiar with Galatians chapter 5, where he says, well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, pain, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? You might look at those things and those, you know, one part of his teaching. But in this particular passage, he actually articulates it very, very differently. Um, He does a bit of a summary, and I want to draw your attention to that in verse 15, right? So he's talking about how this group of people was sealed with God's Holy Spirit, and then he summarizes why he thinks that in verse 15. Look at it with me, if you would. He says, for this reason, going back to the teaching before, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. He says, because I've heard that you, have, that you believe in Christ and because there is tangible affection for others in the church, I think you're Christians. That's what he's saying. What is he, right? He's saying, because I've heard that you have faith and love. So in other words, what he's saying is friendship, right? Christian affection for others in the church is not something that's optional in the kingdom of God. It is not optional. It is not simply an extra box that you might check off on the form. You know, that's the, it has a red star in front of it. If you're going to complete the form... You must have faith in Christ and love toward all the saints. You take one of them away, and Paul says the absence of one of them suggests an inauthentic experience with the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're going, right? He's saying this, and and this is nothing new, by the way, in the New Testament. This is Jesus himself uh, will say We'll say it in his own words. So, for example, in John 13, 35, Jesus will say this. He'll say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so, in the, in, uh, the canon of the New Testament, the reality of Christian affection for others in a church community is the telltale sign that something authentic spiritually uh, is happening in our midst right? Something authentic spiritually is happening. And friends, when I, when I was thinking through this and thinking through where we are as a culture, you know, I was thinking about uh, kind of a recent development in our culture whereby we are quick to censure one another. Does anyone use that word censure? We, this is like a Presbyterian language. We, you know, when you're censured in, the, in, in, a, in, in a court setting, right, you're not allowed to talk uh, you're discarded, you might be kicked out uh, of the group. And uh, as I was thinking as to where we are as a culture, I think that we are quick to censure one another, right? Some people call it canceling. Um, it's, it's done by every, by every group, by and large, uh, both inside and outside of the church. Social media, of course, has brought it to its own unique place. Um, you know, on, on the broader side, it's used, uh, and Patrick really referenced this in his confession that I, that I appreciated, it's used by using mob power to, to hurt someone by, you know, removing their position or rendering them unable to, to have a platform if they had one. Um, on the personal side, the way that it plays out on the personal side is where you become offended by another person and, and you walk away either 
in your soul, like you effectively walk away from them, or maybe more explicitly walk away where you tell them you're walking away. But most of the time, as I've seen it, it is a, uh, it is a way of something that dating culture calls ghosting. Has anyone been ghosted? No, don't raise your hand. Okay. You're not supposed to raise your hand in that. Okay. Right? Um, you know, pastor, when I started the church, by the way, that was like something I wasn't expected for, expecting was, you know, I'd reach out to new people and be like, hey, you came to church. I'm going to like send you all this stuff and then just silence, you know, ghosting. Not, that, not as probably painful as it is on uh, dating. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, in, in, our, in our relationships, I think that the way that this happens in relationships right, is, you know, most of the time, no one's going out there and saying, you know, hey, let's go, like, de-platform Darren, right, uh, that would hasten my retirement, which would be fine with me. Um, I'm already retired in spirit. But, um, you know, what, what more happens is, you know what, I, I'm just, I just don't care about you anymore. And, and in my heart, maybe I walk away, maybe I play lip service to it. But something happens, some, uh, an offense is, is committed, um, a line is crossed, right, and and the relationship is effectively over, and that's that's kind of what's happening at, at more of a micro level. And friends, you know, the appeal that I want to make to you this morning is that you know don't don't be deceived. Activity such as that is is absolutely in in complete opposition to the way that the Holy Spirit is working in our midst. Right? And, and one of the strongest qualities of Ironworks Church since its inception, it's that Ironworks has never been about a pastor or a pastor's, right? I mean, we do have this extraordinarily unique man now who does really interesting things that we love. But despite that, Ironworks has never been about a pastor or a pastor's, right? The secret sauce to Ironworks has always been in these folks sitting in these chairs right here, right? It's always been about you. It's always been about having a community where you can be a sinner and you can be loved. It's very simple, right? You come to Ironworks, and maybe some of you are new, and you're saying, I don't, is there a place for me here? You know, I, I want to know. Can I fit here? Here's two questions. Number one, are you a sinner? Number two, are you willing to admit to other people that you're actually a sinner? And then number three, are you willing to love sinners? Are you willing to, like, to love them more than just at a surface level, more than just at a commitment that, that ends at the first, uh, the first big thing that happens, are you willing to go with them the distance? Right? Are you willing to be in a Christian community? Because there's a lot of clubs right, that exist. There's a lot of fraternities. There's a lot of uh, orders that exist where folks of like minds come together and enjoy one another. Um, but this is a church. And in a church... We love one another while being sinners. And that's always been the secret sauce of Ironworks, right? The secret sauce has always been that when you come, you realize that it's okay to be who you are, that you can be real about your struggles, that you don't need to be anxious when you share prayer requests at home group, but you can say, you know what, I'm going to be vulnerable to you. That has always been the secret sauce of Ironworks. And if that's not your experience, if you're saying, look, I don't want to do that, that's not who I am, uh, you know, we want to help you move towards that, but you might, also, you might find out at the end of the day, well, this is not the place for me. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't move in that direction. 
Um, but that's always been who we are, uh, and it always will be. So what I want to do is I want to make this uh, plea to you under this heading to ask you the question, where are you at in your relationship with other sinners? Right? Have you walked away from some of those relationships, whether you know, explicitly or internally, like ghosting? Where are you at with that? And what is God doing in your midst? Because the Holy Spirit, when He works, He works in this way. So, what if you're hearing these questions and you're saying, you know what? I'm not where you're calling us to be. I'm somewhere far different, but I don't know what to do about it. Fair question, right? How do we get there? Well, I want to give you just a couple pointers uh, from this theology, and we'll be talking a lot more about it in the weeks to come, but couple of pointers from this theology. Whenever I recognize, and by the way, I do recognize this. In fact, I recognize this right now, and perhaps you might recognize this in your own life. But as a Christian, we sometimes recognize that we have distracted ourselves to death from the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? That, that, that He is, from a functional perspective, functionally irrelevant to the decisions that we make. Right? Sometimes that happens. It's called, you might call it spiritual depression. You might call it uh, backsliding. You might call it a number of things. Right? If, you are, if you're in that place where you're saying, you know what, I haven't given one second of a thought to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in my life, right? you're, you're in that place. And, and, and maybe that's why your relationships are the way they are. Maybe they're showing up because of that. So what do you do? Well, the first thing we do is that we recognize our spiritual poverty. So the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in his sermon on the mount, he said this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? So when we're in that space where we're recognizing that, you know what, we have, we have drifted from the presence of the Holy Spirit, we recognize our spiritual poverty. The second thing that we do is that we go back to prayer. Right? And we actually see that in this passage, don't we? Right? What is Paul doing? He's saying, I recognize the Holy Spirit's in your midst, so what am I going to do? I am going to pray for you. Because prayer is the tool that the Spirit uses to connect you to Himself in fellowship. Right? The Reformed people called it uh, the means of grace. Right? That when we cry out to God in prayer, when we have a renewal of prayer, it's actually through that that we discover the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And friends, I want to give you a little bit of guidance in this, actually, if I could. Because you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, Aaron, you know, what, what does it mean to pray in this way? Well, one of the things that I would like to, to encourage you to do, if you're in this space, right, if you've, you know, if you've walked away from people, one of the things that I'd like to specifically challenge you to do is to begin to pray very specifically for those people, right? If you've had relationships where you've just sort of drifted apart, I want to challenge you to pray very specifically. And here's, it's very simple, by the way. This is a very simple roadmap for you, okay? If you've had a relationship that was important to you, and now it's like you've drifted away from it, you know, a line has been crossed, an offense has been committed, etc. right? What, what do I pray for? Oh, it's very simple. Just pray for the thing that, that you really hate, right? Pray for that thing about 
about the other person, right? You know, Lord, talk to the Lord about the thing that you're upset about. It's very simple. You know, Lord, would you, would you please bless my sister? Because the way that she's conducted herself hurts people, and I want to see her blessed. In fact, very specifically, would you bless her to, to begin to see you in these areas? Would you transform him so that he becomes a new man? Right? You pray very specifically. You, you don't need a roadmap. You already have one. Right? Begin to talk to God about those things. Right? Begin to engage the Holy Spirit with that agenda. And I, I think you will be surprised at what happens. I think, you, I think it will surprise you. Right? Because it's actually how we move towards one another. The, the reason that a Christian is able to move towards someone, even when there's sins in place, is because we have an advocate named the Holy Spirit, right? who is the one sent from Christ to sinners to dwell with very intimately, very close, even while we're sinners. And so I, I assure you that when you bring that agenda to God, when you cry out to Him for the blessing of others, He will hear you and He will change you. And I would venture to say that most of the time He will change the other person as well. So that's really where I want to set before you this roadmap, right? That you begin to pray for others and for yourself very specifically. Use your complaints as your roadmap. Use your complaints as your roadmap and see what happens. But there's one last thing that I want to draw out for you as we move towards this table together. You see, the, the reason why the apostle brings this reality up as such an essential thing, right? The reason why he says, look, I know you're a Christian because you love others. The reason that's so essential in the theology of the apostle is because the theology that we confess this morning centers on the love of Christ for sinners, right? It centers on Christ moving toward us, not while we had it all together, but while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we we're, we're working against him, even as Paul is on the road to persecute the church, Christ appears to him in that context, in that space, he stops him dead in his tracks, and he invites him to come into the family. And in the same way, friends, as we come to this table, what we do is we come as sinners. We come as weak people. We come bringing our burdens, bringing our failures, bringing the things that are wrong with us, bringing our dysfunctions, and we come to this table and we take in the nutrients of Christ's body and blood, and it is though the Holy Spirit wants to scream into your ears as loud as possible, you're a sinner and I really love you. And as that message permeates our hearts, it provides us the ability to do likewise. So, may that be true of you this morning, and then may we go and do likewise with one another. Let me pray. Father God, we do praise you. Holy Spirit, we do adore you. And we pray that you would pour out your power on us uh, so that we would have faith in Christ and love for all the saints. Lord, I pray that you would create in us an uncommon community that can only be accomplished by the power and the work of your Holy Spirit. 
I pray, O oh God, that you would let us be unique uh, and powerful in this city, uh, in this epidemic of loneliness, in this age in which we live where censuring happens so fast. Would you do a powerful and a unique work in us, and would it result in the blessing uh, on our congregation and on our city? Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.